detestable Dunsey. I mentioned last week that my husband's first words upon completing chapter one were, I hate William Dane. Someone in the Facebook discussion mentioned that he found Dane's betrayal unconvincing, because we know so little about him aside from the fact of his being Silas's dearest friend, and because his actions were so out of the blue. But, he added, perhaps that's because what was important was not Dane, but Silas's experience of the event and its effect on who he would become. I think that's right, and I think my husband's comment was shorthand for the same point. We don't know much about William Dane, but we know a lot about the damage he did. Dane's character is not developed, though Elliot does a masterfully efficient job of making him suspect from the start. Between Dane's condescension to his peers and insolence with his teachers, and Marner's credulous, wide-eyed worship, we knew we were in for trouble. But the enormity of the betrayal and the severity of its consequences to Silas's soul are heart-rending. In Chapter 3, we have a villain we can sink our teeth into, and that I think the Spaniel would have liked to. The character of Dunsey is developed in more detail, and he is utterly detestable. He is introduced as a spiteful, jeering fellow who seemed to enjoy his drink more when other people went dry. And when we meet him, we bear witness to it all, the drunkenness, the jeering, and the spite. Even at Dunstan's entrance in the room, his brother's face turns from gloominess to hatred, and the spaniel retreats under a chair in the corner. He is given the distasteful description of thick-set and heavy-looking, and he is already drunk. As a side note, I have to point out the efficient insight in the account of him as having the flushed face and gratuitously elated bearing which mark the first stage of intoxication. That gratuitously elated bearing is something so spot-on and familiar, and expressed in such a pithily poetic form. The first words from Dunsey's mouth are dripping with mockery and sarcasm, as he asks his brother what he wants and tells him, "'You're my elders and betters, you know. I was obliged to come when you sent for me.' But this attitude becomes still more detestable when we learn he had been summoned to pay back money he borrowed, and his response was, "'Since you were so kind as to hand it over to me, you'll not refuse me the kindness to pay it back for me. It was brotherly love made you do it, you know.'" To Dunsey, respect for your elders, brotherly love, kindness, and duty, it would seem scruples, are a matter for laughter. We learn that Dunsey can be so dismissive of his debts because he holds a sword over Godfrey's head. He is in possession of a secret that would be his brother's ruin. And to make matters worse, it was he who laid the trap that caught Godfrey in his compromising position. And, we are told, he did so from sheer jealous hate and cupidity. Dunsey blithely suggests that Godfrey go to the hunt and sell his beloved horse to pay the debt that isn't his. He cruelly scoffs at the added reluctance that arises from Godfrey's desire not to miss a party where he could see the woman he loves. Dunsey seems to know no loyalty or love. So, finding himself between a rock and a hard place, Godfrey grudgingly agrees to let Dunsey sell Wildfire. 
I'm sure I'm not alone in thinking that can't go well. Also, his name is Duncey. Sometimes there is something in a name.'